So he had to be spoon-fed. In fact, I remember we'd ordered for a hospital bed, which was going to be delivered, well, the day after he died. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really hard, cause, um, sorry. It's okay, take your time, take your time. Hello and welcome to this Nation Health podcast. My name is Wayua Muli. I am a journalist with the Nation Media Group. And I will be taking you through this podcast on the subject of Alzheimer's, the care of patients living with Alzheimer's, and the support systems that they need both professionally and personally in order to ensure the best quality of life that they can have. Now with me are uh, two people. We have Job Karwana. Job, please go ahead and introduce yourself, what you do and how you come into this podcast. Thank you so much, Waiwa, for this opportunity. My name is uh, Job Karwana. I am a nurse by profession, working with uh, Ponea Health Kenya. At Ponea Health Kenya, I am a nurse associate, leading the team in offering nursing care to patients both at home and into in facilities. I am stepping in here on behalf of Ponea. Great, welcome. And then also with me is uh, Ms. Karimi Njagi. Karimi, please feel free to introduce yourself. Um, thank you very much, Wayua. I'm Karimi Njagi. I'm an actor in, well, Kina and Crime and Justice. Um, my experience with Alzheimer's is, um, well, I was, I was my father's caregiver. My father suffered from Alzheimer's. Um, well, he passed on um, last year due to complications arising from Alzheimer's. My deepest condolences, Karimi. Um, how long uh, was your father living with Alzheimer's? Um, now, the thing about Alzheimer's where you are mm-hmm. is you start, it's, you start counting, so to speak, from the day the diagnosis is done. My dad was diagnosed in 2018. However, we'd started seeing the signs and symptoms a bit earlier. From about 2012 is now when we, we started noticing things like, you know, he'd, he'd be looking for his keys and he's holding them, you know? Initially, it was really cute. Or he's wearing his glasses, but he can't see them and they're... And he, he starts now looking for his glasses, yet they're on his face. But then with time, the forgetfulness now, because he'd get very frustra- frustrated, then you see there's some aggression coming in, and then his personality just changed. Um, my dad was a very, very generous man. Then suddenly, you know, he starts counting coins, you know, he... He had this money that he'd always count every day, every day. When it came to like food budget, you see he's just, you know, cutting things off and you're like, what's going on? This, this is not my dad. So um, he was initially being treated for depression. And 
I suspect that it was a depression that triggered off the Alzheimer's because, well, my dad was a judge of the High Court of Kenya, but he lost his job in 2012. And that triggered depression. He tried to sue the government and they just took him round and round. And I think all that was now what triggered the Alzheimer's because it can be in somebody's system for years, but it just needs something to trigger it. Okay, this is interesting that you bring um, a link between depression and the Alzheimer's that your father eventually um, uh, lived with. So I'm curious, Job, um, is this something that you typically see? Is Does depression, can it trigger Alzheimer's? And if it, if it can't, if it isn't, then what else is there that would trigger it? Um, it first, we would, it's good to understand what Alzheimer's is. Alzheimer's is a neurodegenerative disorder that affects the brain. And in one of the symptoms that it manifests, uh, it manifests is has an impact on the mental health. So having an impact on the mental health, patient might exhibit mood swings, uh, sadness, and depression. So it's correct whatever Karemi is saying. Depression is part of the symptoms of, uh, of Alzheimer's. It and at most times, it's part of the early symptoms that precedes other symptoms that comes afterwards. Oh. You know, and um, so, yeah, another thing that I read about when now my dad was diagnosed and <coughs> I started doing my research, and one of the things is that um, toxicity, heavy metals, and this one shocked me because each and every one of us has an al aluminium sulfurea in your house. So, now, apparently, aluminium is one of the biggest causes of Alzheimer's. So it'll get into, you know, you know how our mothers were, eh? You scrap that sulfurea until you can see your face in it. So what you do is that you keep exposing aluminium, and it gets into the food. In fact, you know, if you boil water, you'll find, like, an oily film at the top that is actually aluminium. So it gets into your food, it gets into the bloodstream, and when it gets into the brain, it irritates the brain. And um, the brain now starts secreting a protein called the beta amyloid protein, which covers the brain. And the brain is the only organ in the body whose cells do not regenerate. So once this protein starts covering the brain and the capillaries, there's no oxygen getting in. So slowly the brain dies. And another thing, Alzheimer's is actually called type 3 diabetes. So there's a link between diabetes and Alzheimer's where I was watching a documentary the other day and they were saying that the brain at some point isn't able to, do, to handle the insulin in the blood. And that could also be a trigger for Alzheimer's. There are very many causes no one really knows what it is. There's the genetic component, but that is only 10%. So the toxicity, pollution, all these chemicals in the air, the, the heavy metals in the uh, soil, which then get transferred into the food that we're eating. 
Wow, I had no idea that there was all of this because I appreciate the fact that being that you're personally involved, you felt like it was, you know, the onus was on you to do research with a lot more depth. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate the insights and the perspectives that um, that you're bringing to the table right now. So I'm curious to know, Job, from a medical, from a professional perspective, what, what do you have to say about these linkages between toxicity, aluminium, for example, other heavy metal pollution, that sort of thing. What what is there truly a scientific correlation here? Yes, a linkage exists between uh, exposure to certain types of metals that uh, affects the brain neurons, or what we call the neurons in the in the cerebral cortex and the in the am- amygdala. So what happens? They cause the degenerate. They cause degeneration uh, of certain ne- neurons, the neuron sheath, and one of the most uh, affected kind of a protein in the brain is called uh, am- am- amyloid protein precursor. So when the am- amyloid protein precursor is affected by these uh, metals, the way it is um, metabolized in the body becomes dis, dis, uh, uh, disorganized or disarranged. And this is going to result uh, into formation of what Karimi has, has stated as beta amygloids. So the beta amygloids are, are the genesis of Alzheimer's. So exposure to certain uh, metals such as aluminum, mercury, and even uh, some toxicity, chemical toxicities that are present in, in certain drugs are risk factors and predisposing factors to Alzheimer's. Yes, so there is a linkage into it. All right, excellent. So I think um, now that we've talked about what, what the possible causes are, I'm curious to know, do you is there any possible treatment or is there any way to stop yourself from um, getting Alzheimer's, so to speak, before it happens? Um. There's no specific cause, uh, there's no specific uh, action that you can take to prevent yourself from getting Alzheimer's. The reason being there is no specific cause of Alzheimer's. There are many causes that have been pinpointed to cause Alzheimer's. There's genetics, there's exposure to certain uh, metals and, 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 and chemical products. There's also certain conditions such as diabetes. Uh, Karimi has talked about insulin be, uh, being one, one kind of whatever causes Alzheimer's and many more other condi- uh, many more other causes of Alzheimer's. So there's no specific um, action to take to prevent Alzheimer's. However, a, stand, a study has been conducted between African countries, Asian countries, and the Western countries. And it has been found that the the lifestyles between the three continents or the three regions differ. So where there is a more sedentary lifestyle, less of exercise, less of more physical activity, then the chances of getting Alzheimer's or, or suffering from Alzheimer's, it's high. And this is quite quite true from the statistics that are, are there. Western countries lead or top on the Alzheimer's charts whereas Africans and in South Asian countries have less Alzheimer's cases compared to 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 Europe or to western countries. All right, excellent. So now you're here, you've got a loved one that you're taking care of um who's got Alzheimer's. So tell me job, what what does um 
a daily assisted living regimen comprise? What what does it look like? Uh, assisted daily living care. I would want you imagine how you wake up in the morning. You wake up in the morning. Maybe the first thing you do is stretch. You with this meditation you do. You do meditation or prayer. Then the next thing is either you make your bed, go for breakfast, or take a shower, or just you know uh, sunbask. So that's how assisted living care involves. Assisted living care focuses on activities of daily living. That is nutrition, hygiene, um, social social activities for the patient. So if we are taking care of an Alzheimer's patient, the care is going to commence from the moment the patients wake up. So we are going to focus on their hygiene needs, ensuring that they, they are clean, they brush their teeth, they take a good shower, their nails are okay and their hair is well maintained. Then we'll go to nutrition. We'll make sure they have a, a well-balanced uh, breakfast. Then from there, other activities will involve exercise, either walking around their compounds, fun games, uh, fun games, and maybe social activities. You will get to understand in the early stages of Alzheimer's, it does not interfere with the daily activities of the person. So a person can maybe, uh, they are able to do their daily activities, no, though not at their optimum levels. So a caregiver might help the patients in focusing on their daily activities. So that is what assisted care uh, living focuses on. Okay, and what sort of person is qualified to provide this sort of assistance? Is is it a nurse? Is it a general caregiver? What what sort of person does this? Mm, a nurse can provide the care. Also, we have the uh, the general caregivers, or what we call patient attendants, or the nurse aides. They are well equipped to offer this care. All right, excellent. Yes. And this is twenty four seven. You need someone day and night. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Karimi, how did you approach it? Because I'm assuming between 2012 and 2019, when you got the diagnosis, mm. did you did you feel like you ever needed someone to assist your father? And at what point did you take that on? You know, um, my dad continued with his daily, I mean, routine and everything until 2020. Actually, that's when now he really deteriorated. But before that, he was, he, he was taking care of himself. But as the disease progressed, it became ev- evident that we needed somebody to take care of him, like washing him. By the time he died, he had to be spoon-fed because um, that part of the brain that handles the, they call what, neuromotor skills, yes. had gone. So he had to be spoon-fed. In fact, I remember we'd ordered for a hospital bed, which was going to be delivered, well, the day after he died. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really hard, because, um, sorry. It's okay, take your time, take your time. Thank God it's a podcast.
yeah then at for some people they lose all the locomotion so you have now to get them on a wheelchair and when your loved one is getting to this stage you just have to get help though we really didn't my mom really took care of my dad she's a retired nurse and for her even the thought of thinking that someone else could come in to take care of her husband man no we we just had to work together all of us to take care of my dad yeah okay so did you at some point feel the need to have someone um like a professional come in and assist um we didn't have a professional per se because my mom is there so we just got one of our workers who now dedicated to taking care of my dad under my mom's supervision okay yeah so things like his medicine and all that she took care of his medication um she would do his phys- physiotherapy she took charge of that entire situation but not everybody has a family member you know who's got a medical background so the need then to hire like a nurse aide uh, arises yeah okay all right so what was your father's actually let's let's go back a little bit to the actual diagnosis because at some point you realized that it was necessary for him to get diagnosed yes. so who did you see and what okay. was the diagnosis procedure you see um as i told you before he was being treated for depression so he was seeing a psychiatrist who then referred us to a neurologist and then he had um, a ct scan and then i mean his the alzheimer's was actually quite advanced because his brain had actually already detached from the cortex wow yeah it it was advanced but i think because he also lived a very healthy lifestyle um we didn't realize how far gone it was because remember he was being treated for depression but then now you're seeing all this aggression and oh, then the you'd have a conversation with him and 10 minutes later you have the same conversation with him then again same conversation and you're like eh my guy what's up yeah and getting really frustrated because he's trying to remember things or um he's going somewhere and he forgets where he was going so we're like Mm-mm, there's something really really wrong now so that's when the the doctor um well so went to the neurologist and he was diagnosed with alzheimers and this is something really important that um caregivers and families ought to know there's a legal aspect so my dad gave power of attorney um and that is when you're told now you need to write your will if you're going to get guardianship for your loved one that is the time when they're still in control and they're making decisions so of sound mind before it gets too late wow this is something that i hadn't actually thought of and it makes absolute total sense is that while you're still aware of who yes. you are and what you're doing then yes. you need to get your affairs in order yeah and that i suppose provides some sort of emotional relief i suppose even for yourself as the person living with alzheimer's um you know the what i learned about this alzheimer's thing eh? the patient doesn't really know what's going on the troll is heaviest 
on the family. Because you're just seeing your person going, there's nothing much you can do about it. And you just accept that one day you will wake up and this person is not there. But I know what you always say, I started mourning my father when he was alive. I went through the five stages of grief. You know, denial, bargaining, depression, anger, acceptance. I know these stages of grief, eh? they're very untidy because they're not linear. So one day you're in denial, <clears throat> then the next time you're like, ah, okay, I've accepted he's got Alzheimer's. Then the next day you're angry. You're like, how? What's wrong with you? Because I used to ask myself, Yanni, out of all the diseases, my father chose Alzheimer's. Like, why, why did he have to get Alzheimer's? Who gave him permission to get Alzheimer's? You know? Then the depression hits. Then you're like, ah, this guy is mad. There must be a cure for this thing. The denial, it's just a roller coaster of emotions. And, and there's not one particular emotion that someone goes through. It's just a raft of emotions. Right. Wow. This is very powerful. So I suppose at this point, it becomes important to ask um, from a medical perspective, what are the tests that are required in case you suspect that your loved one has Alzheimer's? What, 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 is, um, what tests are you going to get taken through typically? Uh, the most confirmatory test to confirm Alzheimer's is, um, is either an MRI or a CT scan. Um, but before we reach there, there's their cognitive assessments that we do. The cognitive assessment just focuses on how the patient thinks. Uh, are they aware of their surrounding? Because you'll find Alzheimer's patients, they tend to forget, uh, to forget people, to forget places, to forget names, or even to forget objects. So we conduct a comprehensive a cognitive assessment. It might be conclusive, but for confirmatory, we might need to do a CT scan or an MRI. And Alzheimer's has a specific characteristics that you are able to, to pick from the images of an MRI, and you can be able to, to um, affirmatively say that this is Alzheimer's because you will kind of see patches within the brain where the, 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 the demyelination has started, the, the, the metabolism of the amyloid, uh, amyloid protein precursors has happened, and now these patches are forming, and as these patches are forming, it means the patient tends to lose uh, awareness, co cognitive awareness, the ability to think, the, ab uh, the ability to recall. So those are some of the tests that we do, but also there are some kind of uh, other conditions that may, prese may present with the same uh, 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 symptoms, so such as kind of uh, issues with tumors, uh, brain infections, such as maybe kind of severe meningitis and others. So there will be need of even us doing maybe what we call uh, a lumbar puncture so that we can get the cerebrospinal uh, fluid. We do an analysis and a biochemistry studies for it so that we can rule out everything before we say that this patient has Alzheimer's. Okay. Um, is there a particular, um, um, a sort of like a predictor of your, who's, who's more likely to get Alzheimer's from your perspective? Um, Gender-wise, um, 
maybe ladies and the the reason i'm saying ladies is because of course they are they have a longer lifespan compared to to men even in our country you tend to you tend to find ladies have a longer lifespan to than men but also because of maybe other social issues maybe you find kind of ladies they are more exposed to more triggers compared to men if if we can just assume depression which is maybe cases of depressions are higher com- are higher in men compared to ladies but it is Alzheimer's is more common in ladies actually another thing that i learned when i was doing my research is that um, menopausal women actually at are at a higher risk of getting alzheimer's i do not know what the correlation is Oh my goodness. Yes, but menopausal women are at risk of developing Alzheimer's. So that would be early onset Alzheimer's though? No. Find out more on the next episode.